This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Whiskey and Whitetails, the show for those that hunt with a passion and drink with a purpose. As always, thank you to our Patreon for their support. Thank you to the Waypoint Network for hosting us. And thank you to you, our listener, for supporting and sharing and commenting and all the ways you support us. It is greatly appreciated. Well, folks, it's a busy time of year for us, and we are very busy. We've got a lot of things going on, different schedules and things happening, a lot of stuff happening in the coming month of February. Uh, But as a result, Matt and I were not able to get together this last week to record a podcast, so we are going to bring you one of our favorite episodes, a throwback, episode 102 with Aaron from Smoke Wagon. So we hope you enjoy this episode if you haven't heard it before. Uh, We had a long conversation with Aaron talking about Smoke Wagon whiskey and bourbon and uh, everything that, that there is to love about making whiskey and living in around Las Vegas. And uh, we had a lot of good laughs and we hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode 102 of the Whiskey and White Hills podcast. We want to thank you all of our supporters and listeners have gotten us this far, especially our patrons. They're their spirit guides on our journey. Uh, I want to thank the Waypoint Network as well for having us part of their community. And then today we have a very special guest. We have professional singer and songwriter Aaron Chepnick with his hit song, Taking the Charts by Storm, Bungholes. Bungholes, baby, everybody, everybody likes bungholes. Bungholes, baby, everybody likes bungholes. Yeah. <laughs> bung holes. Yeah. Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's true. Everybody loves bung holes. That's a fact. That's a fact. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's Aaron from Smoke Wagon, of course. It's H&C Hello, this Distilling. is me, Aaron from Smoke Wagon. <laughs> is that usually how you started up? Yeah. Oh, this is my first interview. I've never done one before. Oh, okay. Did I do it wrong? <laughs> no, I think you th- I mean, I'll, I'll write some notes for you later. 
Hello, my name is Aaron. I am on a podcast. That's it. Hi. It's better than a lot of our guests. Yeah. Usually people <laughs> freeze when it's time to talk and we're like, it's 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 just it's fine. It's just us. Who? Just, just a conversation. Who's us? Who's us? You didn't we didn't introduce ourselves in the intro. Oh, we didn't. No. I'm Matt. And I'm Gus. I'm the one that I'm, Matt's the one that you normally talk to on the uh, socials. Oh, cool. Hi, Matt. Hi, Gus. How are you guys doing? Doing, <laughs> doing well. great, man. <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Welcome to our own podcast. <laughs> Shit. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> you bet. Do you guys like bungholes or what? Yeah. We also, I also like barrels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to get some sound clips. We do a lot of clips around here. It's just fun. That's cool. So you uh, can't drink. You can't smoke. Are you losing your mind uh, I over I probably start drinking again. I'm not on antibiotics anymore or um, the anti-inflammatory steroids, but definitely I'm, I'm still I'm still on the effects of, of my surgery, so I, I definitely would not have a cigar right now. Are you uh, healing up nicely? I think so. Didn't want yeah, you to have I, uh, Oh, in case the people out there, you didn't know what we were talking about. I had sinus surgery. Uh, what is it? It's, it's um, nasal balloon dilation. It was my second one. The first one, they didn't get all my sinuses open, but this last one, they got it. That sounds awful. You know, <laughs> uh, even with all the post-surgery trauma and all the stuff I'm going through, it's better than how it was before. Yeah. I, I, yeah, and I had to have it done twice. And the first time I had that done and my nasal turbinates uh, reduced, and that recovering from that surgery was vastly more awful. I couldn't breathe for, I don't know, like two months Ugh. and uh, couldn't sleep because I couldn't breathe. You know, like one night I would use Afrin in one nostril and the next night I'd use it in the next nostril. And then let me tell you what was super cool is I got sick and I had a oh, scab no. <laughs> and I blew the scab out and every, and my, my had a nosebleed. This was like last, uh, February or March, I think. I had a nosebleed that was like out of a movie. Oh, it was it was <laughs> insane. It last <laughs> lasted for two hours, and then I finally just stuck like gauze up my nose. And so I sent an email to my ENT that night, and then when I showed up the next day, they're like, "Okay, well, let's pull the gauze out and see what happens." I was like, "I know what's going to happen. You're going to pull out all the clotting, and it's going to be nuts." <laughs> and like. uh Every time I go in there, the nurse, the nurse is like, "I still remember that that day. I still remember. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that." I was like, "Oh, that one! I, I saw the one at my house, yeah. which wasn't as bad because this was like a faucet, like a murder anyhow, scene." Yeah. So these are great stories, but yeah, uh, <laughs> but it's okay because we're not we're not doing a video, so there'd be I can pretend I'm like drinking clink clink clink. There you yeah, go. yeah, that works. Oh, this cigar is so good. Yeah, what cigar are you smoking? <laughs> oh, I'm having uh, the new, uh, new for me, the uh, Blackwork Studio uh, Green Hornet. Mm -mm -mm. Nice, it's delicious. Yeah, I can smell it from here. It smells yeah. really nice. It's, it's really good. It's got uh, <laughs> flavors of uh, tobacco and uh, some chocolate, some uh, some smoke flavors as well. Cedar leather. Mm, leather. Just, just, just name manly things. <laughs> <laughs> Smells like a twelve gauge shotgun, freshly oiled. 
with a toe yeah. trigger. With a toe trigger. <laughs> so how did you know you needed this surgery? Oh, I've known I've known since I was about 19. I've had I, I went to an ENT when I was 19 and back then the only way they my I just had sinus headaches all the time. Mm. And uh back then, you know when you got a CAT scan, this this is back in like uh in 1990 it was like i don't know if you remember the scene from the exorcist where they put her in that thing and it's like her head's in the uh that's what a cat scan was like back then and and he was like your sinuses are terrible it was like they're very small the passages are very small and they're angled poorly but at the time the only surgery was uh mechanical they would drill them out but it was pretty risky because there was no robotic surgery yeah, I, yet. I imagine it is so risky. Some dude with a DeWalt yeah. going to town well, on your everything's nose. Everything's less risky now because of robotic surgery. But back then, you know, it's a guy holding it. And so there, so there was a risk of, uh, of uh, nicking your optic nerve and going blind. Yeah. Yeah. Going blind. Yeah, you were like, I'm going to wait. Yeah. That's just what you need is some, doc- said, yeah, some doctor. Said, who's- you should wait to, to see if technology changes. Yeah. And uh, so they've been, I mean, they've been a problem forever, man. But just like be, the reason I went last winter is my headaches were so bad. I couldn't get anything done. And then this last time I knew that there was still a problem, but I've had so many surgeries and so many injuries and so many things happened in the past five years. I was like, I don't, I don't want to go to the doctor again. Oh, I don't blame you. Don't, yeah. It gets exhausting. Yes. You, Gus has science problems from time to time. Yeah, nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've never had to. I get sinus infections, yeah. but that's really it. I don't really get anything else. Well, if you're getting sinus infections, you're probably having drainage problems. Yeah, I know that's what it is because I wake up in the morning, my throat's on fire, and I don't snore, so it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, for those that don't know, you make uh, you. you <laughs> Do some whiskey. I'm just. I'm sitting here thirsty. Oh yeah. I'm gonna. I'm got, gonna well, thank Aaron's you got sinus problems, my, uh, but he also does whiskey. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for joining whiskey and ear, nose, and throat. Yes. Uh, whiskey E and T podcast. We, we could start E&T one. And sometimes white tails. Sometimes white. Yeah. Sometimes we hunt. <laughs> so I have. Uh, I do. I make um, a, a bourbon called a smoke wagon. You do. And I'm holding the uncut, the younger. I haven't had it yet. Uh, I but I I I drink unkind of filter pretty often. I will say you know it, it's funny when when uncut the younger uh, you know because you, you have to apply for label approval um, you know for the from the federal government and there's all these guys that scour the TTP every day looking mm-hmm. for new label approvals because it's all public. When that label when they saw that label they're like oh my god. Why are you doing it? <laughs> that you- Is there no more old bourbon? Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, you know, first of all, it is it is younger because regular uncut has old bourbon in it, and this is just four-year. And also it's kind of a play on, you know, the Bebemus Mori and Demes, our, our motto, that is the Seneca the Elder mm-hmm. uh, quote or toast. So I was like, oh, you know, call it uncut the younger. Kind of funny. And... I mean, I, I don't know. I was just—I didn't realize people were like so serious about this stuff because I just—I uh, thought it was fun. And also, you know, hey, wouldn't it be cool to have an affordable cast rank bourbon that like could be your daily sipper if you like cast rank bourbons? 
and uh, it has like a really nice price point, and you can get it all the time. Matt and Gus. Now, granted, cool. I introduced it before we could before we could do enough where you could get it all the time because I just wa- I just wanted to get it out there and have it established. But uh, there are people, you know, everybody talks about age, and everyone talks about all these things that like they think what does or does not make a premium bourbon. But there are people that like that better than regular uncut because it has no tannins and no oak and it's just fruity yeah. and candy flavors and spice and deliciousness. It's definitely got a lot of flavor to it. That's one thing people don't realize is that after, after you pass that five year mark, you, you're, you get a lot of good flavoring, but once you hit 10 year mark, it's, it's nothing but wood and oak and tannin. It's not, you lose a lot of the complexity because of the way it oxidizes. Yes. And especially, you know, like, this is bourbon you know we it's aged i mean for the for the most part of its life it's aged at you know i guess now it's squib and ross but the old seagram's distillery mgp in indiana where uh they have hot summers and very cold winters and that's a lot of movement through the wood you know it's not like Mm -hmm. scotch and it's a number four char that is the heaviest sort Mm -hmm. of regular charring you can get and, you know, uh, most of my stuff is in racked warehouses, so there's floors. So, you know, someone's like, I oh, drink 10-year bourbon. I was like, oh, cool, I'll give you a 10-year off the sixth floor, <laughs> warehouse G, south wall, here you go. Have some delicious oak water. <laughs> it's going to be so gross. It's going to be so tannic and over oak, you know. And uh, it's all relative. And and even like when the malted barley rye came out, someone was like, what's the age on this? I'm like, that's your number one question, not how does it taste? Yeah. That's because they don't it's not know. not for you. They want they want right. to come in, and we see it all the time. It's when we teach, uh, we teach whiskey classes, and that's one of the things that we bring up. It's like, we're going to do this class blind. You have no idea what you're drinking because if I come in here with – you know, Wild Turkey or Jim Beam, they're going to immediately, ugh, I only drink Buffalo Trace. It's like, why? Do you know why you only drink Buffalo Trace? They don't. They, they have just, no clue. It's what Yellowstone tells well, me. Well, I mean, we we know why. <laughs> yeah, that's we, we do know why. Uh, yeah, you and us three know why. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I've, I've owned bars since 2003. I mean, you yeah. know, after, after, uh, uh, what do you call I was going to bring that what? up. I've been to the Griffin before, and I didn't know that you owned it. I mean, I didn't know, oh, yeah. know who you were until Smoke Wagon. But I've been so. The only reason I walked in there is because that big martini sign. It says Vegas. It almost like points at the building, and I was like, well, "This has to be a good bar." <laughs> oh yeah, the ones that caught. I mean, I remember when they put all that in. It was, it was such a different world back then, mm-hmm. literally, because there was no smartphones. Smartphones ruined the bar business. Did they? Why? Oh, yeah. They ruined everything socially. Oh, I agree with that. Oh, because nobody because wants to before, go to a bar before anymore? Before the apps and... Well, for one thing, people were just having a good time to have a good time. Yeah. And and I just remember uh, this the one time coming to the bar and sitting there and just seeing these three girls just had to have been like 2008. I think 2008 or 2009. That probably probably 2009. We had we had a good two years before um, everybody had. I think they came out in 2007. Yep. 
and they're all just sitting on their phones, like underlit blue. You know, they just look terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> with, this under, with this blue lighting coming from underneath their faces. And they all looked miserable. And they're like the new generation. They're like 21 years old. And then one of them would pull out their camera and they'd all like pretend to make out and do all this stuff. And then the camera would go away and they'd go back to just sitting there looking at their phones. And, uh, and like, nobody was like actually having a good time to have a good time. It was all like pretend. And the other thing is, you know, when the dating apps came out, you know, before that, like, if you wanted to have sex, you had to talk to people. Yeah. You had to work on that. Yeah. Yeah. You had to (laughs) be like funny or something. Yeah, funny. <laughs> you had to have a personality for sure. You could just be yes. some weirdo on a screen. <laughs> yeah, you could just walk up and start rubbing against people. Be like, you want to get out of here? It's always worked for me. <laughs> well, okay, so let me, well, it did work for me one or two times, but. <laughs> I think Gus and I are probably the last generation of the uh, not stuck on your phone all day. Because yeah. I know everybody, yeah. that, like, even my neighbors, like a couple years younger than me, and I mean, that's that's what they do. They get to they if they go somewhere together, they sit in the, their chairs and they just look at their smartphones all day. I when, when I'm with someone, I don't look at my phone. I try. I, yeah, I don't either. But when I but I'm terrible like by myself. I'm just always. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If I'm not doing anything, the phone's in my hand probably. <laughs> yeah, and there's never it's there's never anything there. Well, that's not true. Every now and then I've seen something cool, mm-hmm. like a like a motorcycle part or some new. Some new gun. Thing. Yeah, like a 131 kit for your uh, CVO. Oh, no, that I that <laughs> I knew about. Uh, okay. Actually, all the stuff for the, the CVO stuff, that was all... The stuff that made it special, they, they, I, didn't, I didn't really know anything about it. So the guy who builds it, his name's Hiro, and he's Japanese, and he's a land speed record holder. Oh, wow. And... He has like a, he knows everything. So like when the 131 kit came, he was like, you don't want that. Uh, like I didn't go HPI or anything like that, but uh, he he was like, get this man of, you know, this um, throttle body, this one's better. And then they knew what cam to put on. And then he like, he tuned it. And I mean, that thing freaking, that thing rails. <laughs> it's insane. It is a wild animal. I love it. I was going to say you so were gnarly. breaking it in forever and now it's. Now you can get on it. Looks like it. It looks like it's fun. I didn't break it in forever. I just had to break it in twice. Yeah, <laughs> I like broke forever. it in when I got it, and then I broke it in again like a year later when I put the motor on it. But I, I put a thousand miles on it pretty fast. It's easy to do here because everything's so big. You know, if like yeah, the the ride I go on is like uh, you know hundred hundred and fifty hundred sixty miles. That's what I was gonna like ask. That. How far meat is from? From Vegas, Lake Mead. Yeah. Oh, not far. Um, it's still like 30, 40 miles, isn't it? Uh, I no, because I mean, from from my house, well, to get to get to the road, uh, North Lakeshore, which is the pretty road, south south is not that pretty. Um, I don't know. It's like twenty five minutes, and most of that's traffic because I have to go up Lake Mead Boulevard, which is not an a pretty part of town. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a trip too because you get to the top of it and like you can see out over the whole valley and it's um 
you know, it's on the uh, the eastern side. And so, like, you can see the sunset over the mountains, everything. You're like, this should be nice up here. But it is, it is not nice. It is not nice <laughs> up there at all. Like, there was even a warning because there's all these hikes and, uh, like, historical, like, um, and interpretive sites, you know, like from when Native Americans were there and everything. And there was like a, there was like a police warning, like, don't be here after dark. <laughs> don't don't drive past Lake Mead Boulevard and uh I forget what the road is after dark. I was like, damn, that's crazy. Wow. And then you get past that, and then uh you're just down in that valley there, that little valley, and then uh then you get to the you know, it's all national park, so you gotta pay to get in, which is awesome because that limits traffic and I just have a, a annual pass. So, yeah, I'd probably say like 30, 35 minutes because I've gone longer ways to get there that I thought would be prettier, but it's all psychological. Like, it's just, it seems so long, especially in the summertime when you're on in traffic or stop and go traffic on Lake Mead Boulevard and everything's ugly and it's hot. You're like, this is the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. The, uh, so if you had to do it all over again, the road glide, you'd buy that again. For, oh, for yeah. those rides. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I love my road glide. And I love my fat bob too. Well, the fat your fat oh, bob's crazy. Ride. Is the back end um is the back end lifted up or did you remove a bunch of trail? Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's got uh well by the way, so now it's all in parts again because we're putting a T Man uh one thirty nine in it. Oh wow. and so that's gonna have the new HPI intake manifold that's centered. And they only make those for T-Man. And so you have to get a T-Man build to get that HPI manifold of 70 millimeters, I think. Mm. And then because we're doing a soft tail and most people don't put the 139 kits in a soft tail, uh, I don't need like tons of low end torque like I would if I had a touring bike. So they're doing this massive cam. It's called the race only cam, but it, it he said it really isn't race only. And uh, so we have no idea how much power that motor is going to have. I wonder how it's going to sound at idle if it's that big. It's going to sound like a wild animal. Because <laughs> he was like, there's some valve train noise. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, it's mechanical. Make it scream. Yeah. Let me hear it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like so the fat Bob. Back, I've never seen one your like question, yours. We, uh, man, I'm, we're going to get his last name wrong, but it's RWD, the, the Russ um, uh, Wern. I can't remember. Like but the Porsche they did a RWD, custom rear shock. What's that? Like the Porsche RWD? No, they they started with doing like off road racing um, stuff. Actually, I think that's RWB, not D. Anyway, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I tried looking it up, but it's taking too long, and there's gonna be too much silence on the uh, on the old podcast. Oh, oh, you know what? So hey, social media. There we go. <laughs> Russ. Russ Wernham. What's, what the what is this? What's the last name? Wernamont. No no wonder I can't ever remember it. That doesn't it's really it sounds really Russ Wernamont Designs, RWD. So they did a 14 and a half inch shock on the rear. Oh. And then uh from watching a video on YouTube, this guy, um I can't remember his last name. His Instagram is Tony Shreds. He does uh, bagger racing league stuff. So he put, he took the, you know, I don't know if you guys remember the FXDR soft tail. It was like mm-hmm. really ugly. It was like the performance one that came out in 2018. Mm-hmm. 
So its lower stanchions are two inches over. And so we put those in it with uh, GP suspension um, cartridges. Okay. And uh, man, yeah, so that raised it up a lot. Now, it is very tall in its current configuration, but one of the things that's happening when we do all this other stuff is that I'm putting 17 inch wheels on it. So I can do, so get some real sticky tires and, but also I want better geometry because, you know, all those Harleys have that relaxed geometry where you're kind of like laying back, you know? Mm -hmm. And so a one twenty seventy on the front is two inches less diameter than the stock tire. So it'll drop the front an inch and then I'm going to do a 260 on the rear and that's going to raise the rear up yeah. another quarter inch or so. Give you some rake. So now, yeah. So it's going to have some nice rake to it. It's going to have some good turn in. It's not, you know, one of the things that all the, even the, I really have to crank the, uh, the compression up on the, um, CVO is because that that's got a 21 inch front wheel. And so they're all, they all want to squat when you're goosing it in the turns. And when that happens, you lose traction on your front wheel. And all of a sudden your bike's trying to walk out of the turn. You're like, ah, which I kind of like, because that's why I like these bikes. Cause you're, you're pushing them to their limit. You know, when I, when I had MV Augustas, I was never pushing them to the limit on the street, which was bad for me mm -hmm. because I would, <laughs> Because <laughs> these slow me down, you know, like they, it, you're always getting gut checks. Like, am I going too fast? Yes. Yeah. Probably shouldn't. Have. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I tell everybody going from my old metric bikes to the sports, the 48, it's like, it's, it's like you get on there and you you can ride it a completely different way. And then you get back on that old metric bike. And, and I mean, I've dropped, I've, I've laid it down a couple of times just cause you know, I forget that I'm on something old that doesn't ride like a new Harley does. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, cause my, when I, when I had an MV Gusta nine Brutale 910R or even my F4 SPR, that, that bike, I ended up, uh, I, I swore I'd never sell it, but I, but I went to start up one time. It wouldn't start. And I took it in and he like five grand worth of work. And I was like, I just prepped this for storage like two years ago. And, uh, it was in my foyer. It was so cool, but I sold it to some guy that that was like his dream bike. He had never even seen one. Oh, wow. And, uh, and when I bought that bike, man, I was totally broke. <laughs> I was <laughs> such a broke loser. And I just like applied for a loan. And I remember uh, I called the shop and I was like, so if I got the bike, how much would it be with tax? I don't, uh, you know, back then I had a vintage hot, two vintage Hondas. So I didn't have any new bikes. I was like, I better get some leathers and some boots and some gloves and like a real helmet. Like how much would it be for all that out the door? And he told me, and I applied <laughs> For, for a loan. loan for all of it. Yeah. And I got approved. And like, I was like, cool. All right, let's do it. So I think in 2004, that, that bike was $25,000. It was the most expensive motorcycle in the world. And I was like, had no money. I even had to rent a garage to like store it in. And, uh, man, it was crazy. Like everywhere I'd go, I'd like go to, I go, uh, that was when I lived in LA and go to Angeles crest. And I like, I'd go, there used to be this place, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, it burned down in one of the fires, it was so cool, this family owned it, and it had like a horse, it was like a horseshoe table diner, and and the family was crazy, I want to say Hidden Springs Cafe, but I, I don't think that's right, I think that's here, 
And then the other place obviously is the Newcomb's ranch, which is the big one. Mm -hmm. But I'd like come out with my hamburger, you know, to go to sit down and then like be like 15 guys around my bike. And I'd be like, Oh, (laughs) I just go back inside. I was like, I don't want to talk to all these guys about my bike. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But those bikes, there were no gut checks. Mm-hmm. None. The only gut check would be you come around a turn, there's like a deer in the middle of the road, and then you realize how fast you're going, or a rock slide, or it was never like a performance gut check like it is with the Harleys, because you push them, and then all of a sudden, the, uh, you know, it, it it's not quite making it around the turn, or something, <laughs> you know, something's happening, you're like, oh, baby, I'm going too fast. Yeah, there's been times in turns where you look down, and you're like, "Why are you? Why are you going over that line?" And you try to push a little harder, and it's like, "No, I don't. I don't think we're going to do that." I got You're supposed to do this. Yeah. Since we're talking about uh, bikes, I have a. Um, we like to do a little trivia thing, and if you win, uh, you win. I guess. So, do you want to play? Yes. Okay. You just got to tell me what what kind of are the uh, questions about me? Because I'll definitely get those right. No, I'm going to play you a sound, and you got to tell me what it is. Oh, okay. Was that it? Yeah. Uh, so, so that's not like my shovel head when I started up. <laughs> it is. Uh, uh, it's correct. <laughs> Get it. Yay. Did a good job. That's was that, that, that was your shovel head? head. Yeah, your 1972 shovel head. Oh, is that from my video? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you win. Um, Yay! You'll get an envelope soon with uh, some of my back hair. I'm going to shave it off for you and send it on your way. Oh man, we could have a whole podcast about hair management. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're one of the few podcasts that what we do not have a uh, a, a trimmer sponsor. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, manscaping or yeah, we, we got, lawnmower seven point two, whatever it is now. Yeah, don't have that. We got nicotine uh, toothpicks though, which are pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think we had uh, University of Georgia last week was good. So, oh jeez, <laughs> we're gonna oh, lose. It's crazy. I thought I I thought it was bad when I was younger, but then it got worse. And then and then when I started taking testosterone, that was it. It was like hair everywhere. Dude, let's talk about testosterone because that that's such a like I'll I'll everybody's like, "Oh, we don't want like, oh, you shouldn't or, you know, people are embarrassed to talk about it, but the reality is, you that that shit goes do down. It. Yeah, you should do it. Period. You should go get your testosterone yeah. checked if you're what do you say, 30 and older? In the modern world with all the all the chemicals and everything that screw with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It pushes it down I mean, every, so fast. Everything, the, yeah. The, the number one thing, I always get the pronunciation wrong, but it, it, I think it's called phthalates, but it's 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 the, uh, you know, the fragrance that's in Glade, plugins, candles, everything. Mm-hmm. That stuff destroys your testosterone production. What was your number um, But when you, before you started taking? Uh, mine was insane, insanely low. So it was, was like one. It was 170. Mine was 73, dude. Yeah, I I will tell you. And what's crazy is I was still working out like five days a week and all this stuff. But I just remember I came home from the gym and I took my shirt off. I was like, I felt like I was all pumped and I looked like shit. (laughs) And I was just like, this is not right. I work out way too hard. 
for this to not and, to not um, see the results that you think you should be getting. Yeah, yeah, and I couldn't lose weight. Yeah, and um, yep, and uh, and you're tired and the, all the time. It's like like insane. So the thing is, you know, because like being in the bar business, I uh, you know, man, I I tore it up, mm-hmm. and and then all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, I'm not tearing it up anymore. I've kind of like transitioned. You know, we hadn't released the bourbon yet, but I was like working on it all day, trying to get like construction finalized and everything. And I was like, I'm not drinking the way I used to. What's going on? <laughs> Why? But I'll tell you the main thing. I'll, you, uh, this is, so this all happened literally at the same time. I was sitting watching TV and Mountain Men was on. And I was like, Why do I have businesses? Why am I going through all this? That's what I should do. Mm-hmm. I should just go live, be a hermit in the mountains and not have to deal with any of this shit. Mm-hmm. And then and the other thing too is like girls like to go on a date or something. It was, it was like, Oh my God, oh, I guess I have to go out with this girl. It was, it was so weird, but that didn't happen at the same time. But then the next thing that happened is I went on Facebook and somebody like was posting pictures of traveling. And I was just like, what's the point of traveling? You just go somewhere, you come back and then you die. Yeah. Yeah. That's a circle of life. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah my my brother takes it and uh and so i did like an illegal cycle i guess and i was like wow i feel way different um yeah and then i got tested I, um, and i told him my number and he was like are you currently growing a vagina because <laughs> it was so low well you got i mean you have to have high estrogen but <laughs> right uh Unfortunately, I did so much research that I knew not to go to my doctor, that I knew to go to, like, an anti-aging clinic. Yeah, you go to or, a men's clinic, yep. That's what yeah, I did. because, like, my dad, when his was low, he went to a doctor, and his doctor would, like, give him one shot every four weeks. And I was like, that's crazy. You're just going to aromatize all of that. It's all going to turn into estrogen. Mm-hmm. And even cypionate, it's gone in a week. And uh, and for me, man, I do I do prop every day. Yeah. Um, I backfill seven insulin pins and, and just do a little bit every day because when I was doing Sipionate, even twice a month, my estrogen was really high and uh, I am not going to take those estrogen blockers. I'll take no. naturally occurring, occurring hormones for the rest of my life. I don't give a shit, but I am not going to take like some drug that is meant for women right. <laughs> to block estrogen for like five months for the rest of my life, you know? So, uh, so yeah. So once I started doing, um, prop every day that I got, it took a while for me to get it all figured out and get it all dialed in. But yeah. Is prop one of the, is that one of the peptides? Yeah. So prop yeah. has got a half, I mean, it's, it's 24 hours and uh, it's like out of your system. Hmm. Yeah. The one I got is twice, it's twice a week and you just, it's probably Sipionate. Sipionate, that's what it is. Yeah. Sipionate is the most common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you don't, if you if you've never thought about it, or if you're like, hey, I'm just getting old and fat and lazy. No, you're not. You need to be on. You're not. You need yeah, to get some you just TRT. Be smart about it and go and go to a, like a a doctor and do your blood work and. Yeah. For me, I have to do therapeutic phlebotomy. Lobotomy? Only because I lived in Great Britain in the '80s. 
And so oh. I could have mad cow. So I yeah. can't I can't donate blood. I thought you said lobotomy. <laughs> like <laughs> what? Yeah, man. Gotta bounce motion dumb. No, flubotomy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got you now. Got you now. Gotta get your blood, gotta gotta get them extra blood cells out of there so right. you don't have a heart attack or stroke or anything. Why did you pick the uh, silver? I know H and C is Hensley and Chepnik, but why did you pick um, the silver dollar? Oh, uh, because well, that actually was a lot um, of my business partner Jonathan, because he he's so he's a precious metals guy, and um, you know, so I, all we knew, I didn't know anything going into this, right? I was, I mean, I knew a little more than most because I was a retailer. So I had some insight into the industry, but it's not like I was, I hadn't seen behind the curtain yet. So all we knew is that our favorite vodkas were from Russia and they were silver filtered. Mm. And so we're going to get a silver filter from Russia. And, and so Jonathan said, you know, we should call it silver dollar because the Morgan, you know, they opened up a mint in Carson city just to mint the Morgan silver dollar because of all the silver coming out of the Comstock load. And between that mint and the San Francisco mint, I mean, that, that was the currency of the old West. I mean, everybody had Morgans in their pocket. And so, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's cool. And and that's why I designed that bottle was for the vodka. Mm. Uh, yeah. To put that. And then we actually got permission from United States treasury to trademark the Morgan uh, replica. Do you, do you know oh, the cool. story about the chick? On the, the, on the front? Yeah. The Lady Liberty? Yeah. No. So Morgan, he, um, if I remember this right, her name's Ann Wills or Willis or something like that, but he, um, it was a friend of a friend deal, and he used her as the model, and she said she'd do it, but she didn't want anyone to know who it was. And so he was like, yeah, I promise, nobody will know. And then they released it, and then like a month later, he was like, oh, by the way, this is the chick, the model chick. And um, she like, it forced, she became a hermit crab, crab, never got married, just lived in seclusion. But she was a third grade teacher or something like that. Taught, like, Sounds taught like that was the path I was on before I took testosterone. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> she was living your life. <laughs> She was like, everything's a pain. I'm going to go live in a cabin. Yeah. And that's what she did. She was, <laughs> she hated the celebrity and the fame and everything and just, and just hid away. Did you know that? Or did you have to research it for this interview? No, I knew that. Um, I have a friend that is into uh, the silver dollar. He collects old coins. Oh, cool. And he was telling me about it because I can't remember why he was telling me it was something to do with, um, Oh, because uh, she was like one of the first celebrities. So she was getting letters and all this stuff in the mail. And that's what he was talking about, that, that people basically harassed her to death. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, that sucks. Don't that's harass people. Sad. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Don't harass people. Yeah. Don't harass people. Or do. Well, you know, who am I to tell you anything? <laughs> <laughs> so this stuff on the bottle, is that the sage? What's that called? That, yeah, that's Desert Sage from Nevada State Flower. Mm -hmm. So when I oh is it when I was using the 3D program to design the bottle, I really got into it, and the inspiration for that was actually uh, an old Four Roses bottle that I saw from like the late 1800s that had roses all over it. That's cool. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, the, the bottle's a, iconic. Do you have a uh, the the darker the, the brown? I'm not sure what the the 
correct term is for the for this colored bottle versus the the silver. Is there a reason you choose one for the other? Oh, or? chose the amber. Yeah, amber. Yes, that's the color I was looking for. Oh, uh, yeah, just because that's how bottles were traditionally. Like yeah. when I was looking at um, antique whiskey bottles. Yeah. Trying trying to figure it out. They were all amber. Yeah, we except uh, for the, except for the rot gut stuff. All the rot gut <laughs> stuff was in clear bottles. Yeah, but we, like all the really nice bottles were were amber. Yeah, we've we've made um we've commented on that several times that these these bottles feel like you're uh, I don't know like it belongs in a saloon. Yeah, you know it's uh it's a good look. I like them a lot. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean that's always sort of been my my love of Las Vegas, especially, you know, I mean, like, you know, going back to that ride I go on, I mean, it's like going, it's like riding through a Western big valleys and mesas everywhere and red rock. I mean, you know, we don't have Suaros out here or anything like the Sonoran desert, but uh, it's just so dramatic. And then there's, there's wild horses and, and um, there, I don't really see any burrows down there. I know they're around because I see their poop in the road, but I mainly see burrows up on the mountain. But, you know, those are all descendants from the Spanish from the 1400s. Yeah. And uh, it's just it's just so cool uh, for me, especially coming, coming from the East Coast. And uh, uh, that's always been my love of of this area yeah. and like the history and, and you know, water, every, everything out here is about water, yeah. water, yep. water and precious metals. <laughs> and usually, usually both. That's right. You can't, you can't get the precious metals if there's no water cause you're going to die. <laughs> yep. And then having, uh, having one or both of those close to a, a railroad so you can get people and things in and out. Yeah. Or you need the water for the rail, for yeah. the trains. Yep. Yeah. And the, no, uh, no water, no steam. As you know, every time I go out there, I always rent something nice, and and that's my favorite thing about Vegas. It's, I mean, we'll do like one night of the casino deal, but other than that, I'll rent some kind of supercar and just drive. Put you know, get a twenty four hour rental, and I'll drive for twenty hours of that of that rental. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I love it. It's amazing. We went out to the UFO mailbox and um, out by the solar panel farms, and I mean, you can you can find places out there where nobody is, and and take take a car to its absolute limits and it's it's a lot of fun oh for sure especially when it's yeah, not there, there's car. still i mean even me there's like tons of places i've never even been to i've never been out to that like um it's all been remodeled and everything there's now like this luxury resort out in the middle of uh the mojave desert that used to be kind of luxury but now it's and then you know great basin national park is only three hours away i mean zion's only two hours away you know, it's just funny, like, because I've been doing a lot of traveling lately, and I'll be on the on the plane, and, like, we're going to Las Vegas, and people are like, oh, asking somebody else, are you from Las Vegas? Like, oh, no, I hate it here. Oh, my God, I could never live here. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Well, you go to the Strip and think that's it. And by the way, the Strip, I mean, I used to, I'm not going to go to a club on the Strip, you know. Even when I was young, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. You know, they, they don't, they don't, they don't care about you there. You're, you're just uh cattle yeah. getting oh, yeah. money out of, but the restaurants are amazing. Yeah. It's, um, there's a lot of good food there and you can go to the Griffin and you can go to the Griffin. <laughs> yeah. Once you, I've only been to Vegas once, but and I was there for about a week. And once you get past the initial, you know, 
shock and awe of everything that is the strip. You start to kind of peel back the layers of it and look past the touristy stuff and past all the people handing out flyers and all the stuff going on. There's all kinds of really nice restaurants, little gyms for shopping, all kinds of stuff. It's Mm -hmm. it's a nice, there's parts of Vegas that are really nice. I have a good friend of mine whose parents live there and retired there and they love it. There, there are tons of, of, uh, tons of nice restaurants. I like sitting I mean, down there watching cars come by. There's a bunch of cool car clubs out that way too. Then everybody wants to cruise the strip. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you can. I mean, the thing is, I always complain about the summer, but <clears throat> you know, it's really like three months that you can't drive an old car, and that's it. You know, most places, <laughs> most places in the summer it's raining, in the winter it's there's snow. It's already there's leaves. You can't really go railing around in the fall because there's leaves on the ground. So, like, we were pretty good here. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's yeah, a great, great place if you like to go for rides. I like it there. Yeah, ri- rides and drives. I mean, the only thing that we don't that, – that is lacking is super technical tight canyons and stuff. Like, when I, you know, even when I was at my parents' house in western North Carolina, I was like, oh, man, there's some, there's some pretty sweet roads around you here. You do uh, tell the dragon over there? Uh, the only time I did tell the dragon was in the back seat of a um, Mercury Marquis oh. in uh, 1994 <laughs> or 95, and I was stoned, and I had just eaten two bowls of uh, corn pops. My man. And <laughs> about. Uh, I thought I was going to puke my guts out. <laughs> I was just sitting there. I was just sitting there all stoned, eating cereal, and my buddy... Uh, I was, I was a construction laborer on this movie and my buddy was a transportation. Uh, he was, he was in transpo and he was a, uh, the picture bike coordinator. He was like, we're going to Knoxville. You want to go? I was like, yeah, man, I'll go to Knoxville. Like, Come on. And so they had like the, like one of the cars they had for the transportation coordinator, you know? And, um, and I, I was just like, oh, I don't feel like all that sugary milk. <laughs> Yeah. My stomach. <laughs> I can see that being a bad deal. I've done it on a bike and a car, and it's a lot of fun. I bet. It looked awesome. You should definitely, next time you're out there, you should definitely give it a shot. No, yep. I mean, I used to just go uh, up to Angeles Crest all the time uh, when I lived in L.A. That was fun. Mm-hmm. I rode uh It's crazy. A, I see C63 videos on Instagram now, and it's like, when I first started going up there, people didn't even know what it was. Yeah. And now it's everybody's up there i drove a i rented a c63 from lax and drove uh took my wife up there and had more than one occasion where we were like uh whoops you know she she had no idea how close we came to coming off the side of that <laughs> top <laughs> it was fun <laughs> um i so we had a i didn't write them all down i failed um are you questioned? Yeah, somebody. It doesn't really matter. I'm not gonna. I, I remember one. There was a. So you distill the vodka. Are you are you gonna start distilling your own whiskey, or are you gonna continue to source from MGP for the future? Uh, we're gonna continue to source. I I just don't see. I agree. Well, with you. I, I mean, I don't really see an advantage. You know, I agree because I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, I'm not gonna be the master distiller. I'm not gonna sit around and watch computer screens all day and. And, and, and by the way, that's the way to do it. It's mm-hmm. not, Oh, this is the right temperature and it sure smells good. I know, it's no, all you automated. need to go spend a bunch of money 
however, however many hundreds of thousands of dollars they are. Yeah. And buy a methanol sniffer and a control room and watch the chemical composition of the distillate on a computer screen to make sure it's pure. And that is why that stuff is so good because it's so clean. Mm-hmm. It, it's just so clean. And then all the magic happens in the barrel. So, you know, and then well, there's no water here. Sorry. <laughs> scared the shit out of me. I was like, <laughs> there, there's no water here. Yeah, so true. like the amount of water you yeah. need to do all that mash and, and everything. And then like, you can't age here because it's too dry. And so we'd have to humidify the, the rack houses and so that's even more water and it's just i don't know i mean you know like our contract with mgp i think in three or four years it takes us a thirty-five thousand barrels a, a year i mean for me to, that kind of maxes them out for a single mash bill mm-hmm. and that's a 20 acre facility that's been around since 1932 mm-hmm. uh, how do you scale to that I, you know i mean i guess that you do you can but you look at like these places and um, I, I just don't know how, I just don't, I, I don't know. I just don't. I'm with you. I, I think I you guys, be. I think you guys, you guys have a great thing going the, the way you're doing it now, the process you're going, the product you're putting out is fantastic. It's um, you guys have something to offer for people who have taste across, across the spectrum. Um, and I think, you guys would probably find yourselves, like you said, you, you're not interested in doing the distilling, so you're gonna have to, you guys are gonna have to invest a, a shit ton of money, you know, hire people to do it, to turn around and, and wait two years to even get a taste of what what you might have on your hands when you already got yeah, something. You guys are I mean, doing something I good. No, if you're if you're not, if you if you aren't doing humidifying the uh, the rack houses, you're gonna lose everything. The one guy yeah. who did it locally, he lost forty eight percent. In the first year, yeah. Jesus, bye. Yeah. Those are some yeah. drunk angels. Angels are fucking toasted. Yeah, even you know Frey Ranch, which is in up in Reno, they get way more rain. It's much more. It's not the desert up there. Yeah, and uh, they've had to humidify all their rack houses. Wow. So they got the big. They got a lot of water up there. We don't, <laughs> we don't have any water down here. I wonder I always, what it would I, do in all that heat. Too. Yeah, I always considered the heat, but I never, I never considered the lack of humidity and the the parts of that. It's all, play. it's all about the lack of humidity because I will have stuff change in the middle of the summer. You know, it's air conditioned, but uh, yeah, it is all lack of humidity. Yeah, you got to have that humidity to keep the moisture in it. Otherwise, you'll lose it all. Yes. Yeah, that's what I figured. I wouldn't do it either. And uh, there's um. We did a podcast with Doc Swenson's, and they, you know, they also source. And he told a story about steak. And he was like, you know, if you make a steak, like for me, for instance, I, it's taken me a long time to perfect how I like my steak. And I don't even go to steakhouses anymore because I know they're going to fuck it up. They're not going to do it the way I like it. And so, but I don't kill the cow. I don't raise the cattle. You know, I don't have a cattle right. farm. You know, but I, I can take the best ingredients I can get, the best steak I can get, and put it together and create a meal. And he's like, that's that's basically what we're doing. We're we're taking the best ingredients we can get and uh, from people that know what they're doing, and then we're we're creating a product. And it's I like it. I think it's a I think it's a solid way of doing business and it takes it, it, it makes it more fun, I guess. because you have a ton of fun as as anyone I have a lot have. of fun. Yeah. 
it, it is a lot of fun. And, you know, and look, I mean, people are going to hate no matter what you do. So mm-hmm. it's like, you just got to do, you just got to do, do it how you want it. You know, cause people are like, Oh, you know, I mean, the other thing too, is you have to realize like, as we grow as a brand and things like that, and uh, you know, the, the haters, they're not like, I don't know. They're not anybody who have a lifestyle or, or any aspect of them that I admire or <laughs> would want to emulate, you know? And like all our following are like all solid people. There's like, we have a huge law enforcement following. We have a huge military, you know, military and, and vet following. We've got like, you know, people that work for a living or, or I mean, not that it's just them. Like, you know, obviously on the under the spectrum, you got people buying like $7,000 bottles at auction. They have money, you know, but like, I don't know everybody that like is into the brand and I look at their Instagram or what they're doing. It, it just seems like they're, they're either like humble or cool or having solid lives, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I look at the haters and I look at their social media, you know, that's where they're commenting from. And it's just like, whatever, man. We were told a long time ago that nobody that's doing better than you is going to talk shit to you. <laughs> it's true. And so we, I always look at it that way. If like it's nine times out of 10, if I see a hateful comment, like YouTube, we get people get on YouTube because they're just bored. They get on YouTube and they'll be like, first of all, you know, and they just start this rant. I don't even read it. I just delete it. Like, yeah. that's not, there's no <laughs> point even looking at it. I'm going to waste, waste well, minutes. And, and people think yeah. they know stuff like, I I can't even remember like like somebody was talking somebody said they liked the malted barley rye and this other guy said I prefer Greg Metz's ninety five five rye I'm like well check this out Greg Metz wasn't the master distiller right. this other guy did that right a decade before Greg Metz was the master <laughs> distiller and the reason he did it is because. Seagram's was switching from light whiskey to neutral grain spirit as their base for Seagram's seven and Seagram's VO. So they needed a blender that had more flavor, you know, and it's like, I don't mean to be a dick about 95, five, but Hey, if you like it or don't like it, that is subjective. Okay. And I think most I people like know you don't like it. Yeah. I do not like it. What is not subjective is whether or not that is how rye is supposed to taste. And it is not. That is not yeah. how rye is supposed to taste. Rye traditionally is 51 to 60% rye. George Washington's rye was 60% rye, 40% corn. And, you know, all like when, when like even the bottle and bond came out, you know, they're like, this isn't a real rye. It's only 51%. Like, oh, you mean like Sazerac or Thomas H. Handy <laughs> or Wild Turkey or all these other, or uh, Michter's or basically any rye that's a traditional rye mash bill that's been around for, you know, yeah. 70 years. Because it's not 95.5, it's not real. Yeah, it, I, yeah, I actually saw that post where uh, – you got every time I see you post on like a smaller page, I I always read it because it's. I remember the days of you giving doing the giveaways, and then people would sell it, and then you just join these bourbon groups and go in there and light them up. And it, I thought I thought it was hilarious because it's just petty enough that it's I would do that shit too. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the thing about it too is I, I'm not really emotionally invested when I do it, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the it's best like way I to go do to it. bed. I'm like, oh man, screw that guy. I'm gonna get him. Well, actually, there was a time <laughs> when I did do that. 
in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would get I would get all upset. Yeah, we I think we, every, everybody goes through a phase where they get a little emotionally attached to whatever they're building or creating. But there comes a point in time where you realize that the people commenting or with their with their opinions have absolutely no idea of what yeah. generally what usually what they're talking about what you know what you have going on what, what your company has going on they have no insight no way to so especially on content I'm, you can tell they didn't even watch the video or, oh, yeah. or read the thing they just say something and it's like you you didn't watch you're just talking shit to talk I, yeah shit. i mean you know like the, the things that really bought like obviously i cannot expect everybody to like everything right. and and that it, you're it's just foolhardy to think that and you know, but I, I do, nothing's been a compromise. I've never, I've never been like, we got to get this, this stuff out the door and I don't, it doesn't taste the way I want. So we're just going to do it. I've never done that. I've, 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 uh, even, even like the other day with my warehouse manager, you know, we we're going to do three runs of a bottle and bond rye. Cause that's all we have the bottles for. So for him, from an operational standpoint, he doesn't want to have a bunch of tanks filled with stuff that he can't utilize because we don't have enough space. So he he dumped pretty close to how much uh, juice we would need to do three runs. And uh, I'm like, and I, I tried to do a blend using each of the three tanks equally, and it didn't work. Uh, one of the tanks was too funky. And so I had to adjust the blend so we could only do two runs. And he was like, you know, so we're like, I'm like, yeah, so this is what you got to do. You know, he's like, oh, we're going to be, this is leftover and did it. I'm like, yeah, that's what's going to happen because <laughs> I'm not going to compromise the flavor profile just to make sure all three tanks are depleted. Yeah. You're right. going to have a tank leftover. That's just how it is. It's like, you know, this has got to taste good. It can't, it can't just be like, Hey, let's get these tanks empty. Oh, you know, it's like, I'm going to blend it till it tastes its best. I'm not going to. And, um, and so, and, I, and I've like, we've changed the schedule around where we're supposed to do uncut unfiltered and I couldn't figure it out. And so I said, you know what, let's, uh, I mean, that hasn't happened in a long time because now we have so many tanks to work with and it's so complex. Mm -hmm. I, can, I can figure it out, but uh, I've never done anything where it was like a compromise, right? Where I just was like, let's just roll with it. I've like, I've said, Hey, sorry, you won't be ready in time. I'm going to come back tomorrow, you know, and figure this out. And, and so those ones, you know, when people are like, I don't like it, or this is too too young, or this is this, it's like, uh, whatever, you don't even know what you're talking about. Because all the time they're saying that, oh, it's too young. Those are the blends that didn't have any young juice in it because they don't understand the harshness of tannins versus mm -hmm. the harshness of youth. And they're not used to old juice that isn't either chill filtered or charcoal filtered or something. Yeah. And, um, are, but, are, you know, when people accuse me of being like, like I'm trying to hide stuff that it's MGP or that I'm lying about what's going into it. That's when I'm just like, what are you even talking about, man? Yeah, I, I, just lie I, on Instagram. Yeah, you're pretty straightforward about all that. I don't, I don't know what they yeah. would. And a lot of these people, yeah. I think just they're, 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 we're at a point, I feel with bourbon and whiskey in general, there's so much of it out there in order to establish yourself as a, you know, a person of, I don't know, knowledge, you have to be able to. Uh, oh yeah, you, you, I know what you're saying. You have to you have to hate something. Like you yeah. have to talk yeah. down to things, and you have to. And it's like you know, I outside of a handful of whiskeys that I've tried over the years, I can find a little bit of something that I like in every one I've tried. Now I can maybe find a lot of things I don't like about something, but 
nothing has ever been so bad that I felt the need to just, well, with the exception of two that we have in this studio yeah, yeah. <laughs> that are fucking god awful. <laughs> um, I've, I've never really, I, I can't recall ever drinking something and going, never again will I, will I put that in my mouth. I think it's just the culture too. A lot of the people yeah. now are like, they, like, well, I'm the, I'm the account you can trust for real reviews and I'm just going to shit talk everything. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, man. I, well, yeah, but by the way, you look at those accounts versus the the accounts where it's positive, and the the guys who are positive and happy and enjoying what they're doing, they may not like everything, but they're they're not dicks, right? They're yeah. being assholes. Yeah, they they do much better. All yeah. the assholes have like no, they just been the same four to five thousand followers for you know the three years they've been doing it, and these other guys are. Are are up in the double digits or or whatever, and um, so yeah. You we know. also find a lot of those accounts are completely full of shit. There's a you can do like the view count or the views versus followers. Like you'll see these accounts oh, with yeah. twenty two thousand followers, and they get eight hundred to a thousand views, and it's like we have nine thousand, and I'm pretty anal about if it looks like a bot account, I block them. I go through and delete followers all the time. Uh, just I want to stay under ten. But, you know, we we usually get at least 2,000 views on every video. Sometimes, I mean, we, we did one the other day at 25,000. But it's, yeah, it blows my mind when all these accounts that people think are huge and, and they're really not. They're scamming the system somehow. Yeah. And, and um, uh, you know, it's just uh, all these guys are just uninformed consumers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, masquerading as industry insiders. Mm -hmm. And so they're saying stuff that's just like the same rumors and the same shit that everybody's, you know, it's, it's nothing new. Yeah. A lot of them, like they, they like to listen to other, you know, more established, um, bourbon personalities and, uh, (laughs) and sort of parrot what they say and, and, and mock, you know, repeat what they say. I see a lot of that. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah, so it's like, you know, like, you know, so I'll see these, you know, people write stuff or say stuff or, you know, like, oh, it's just MGP or, yeah, it's just MGP, dude, that's all we do, we don't do anything. Yep. It just, it just shows up. We buy it from them and then we buy, we bottle it. And here you go. Yeah, there's no creativity, there's no. <laughs> yeah. That would be a terrible out of context soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at clipping sound bites. Aaron so. spills all. <laughs> we don't do shit. <laughs> I'm gonna shorten this podcast down to five minutes, and it's just you complaining about people, and then saying that you don't do anything. I don't do shit. And then, thanks, I folks. Don't do anything. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's hard. You guys, people just come blend this stuff, you know, or they'll be like, oh, you have all the good barrels. I was like, all the good barrels? We go through like 1,600 four-year barrels a year now. You think all those are good? Yeah. I mean, you think, oh, God, these seven, I think all the sevens are good. All the eights are good. Not everything's good. You got to figure out, you got to figure it out, you know? You blend the stuff that's not good, or you just you end up dumping some. Oh no, I blend it. Yeah, I, that's what that's what I figured out. I just I just did a video about that on uh, the Instagrams, where you know I had one tank, I had two tanks because this is the bottle and bond rye. So 
So we're, we're going to, I was just doing the third run using two tanks and they were both bad. And so instead of like doing, you know, because it's not, it's not about like trying to hide the flavors. It's about trying to figure out how to get them to interact with each other in a certain manner. And my experience was, okay, this one's so bad this way. And this one is so bad this other way that, uh, and yes, one is way worse than the other, but I was like, I'm going to, so uh, the the one tank that was left over from the initial two blends, which was really bad, is left over because I went so light on it. But this time I bumped it up like by 10% because I knew that that, f- that finish combined with the other finish would create a, a, a flavor profile. Mm-hmm. and and it worked and so it's, that's what blending is all about it's not it's not about hiding flavors and it's not even about like adding like flavors it's creating new flavor a new f- flavor profile that yeah. didn't exist in any of for me at least in any of the components individually that that to me is what's blending anything else is just mixing shit together yeah <laughs> Nice. Yeah. I love true. blending. We, yeah. we we do it a lot around here. It's one of our we, people ask like if you know I got a hundred dollars to spend, what should I buy? And it's like three different types of whiskey, and then play with them, blend them together, drink them blind, see what you like. Like don't go buy. Well, I want Blantons. Yeah. Like okay. Well, <laughs> if that's what you want to yeah, do. Yeah. You know. Oh God, I never even finished that story. We were talking about people that say I only drink Buffalo Trees or whatever. Oh yeah. The people used to not drink any of that stuff. We used oh, to have all of it. We had everything. We mm-hmm. had the, the oldest pappy you could get. We had all those. And then I literally couldn't give it away. Like, I, we just had it because after premium vodka came mixology. And I was like, we're not doing mixology. We are way too busy for mixology. This is crazy. Our bar, My bars were way too high volume. So I was like, let's just have all the bourbons. Let's just have every bourbon. And this also coincided with the time when I was like, I don't want to drink vodka anymore. I need to slow it down. So let's get all the bourbons and I could try them and see what I like, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and we had everything, man. I mean, God, used to we used to have the um, Kentucky Vintage 17 year on the shelf. We, used to, we had it all. And uh, nobody <laughs> wanted any of that stuff. And I was joking about it because, you know, there was the, the Yellowstone thing with uh, – the Weller, Weller and everybody's like, yeah. oh, blah, blah, blah. I was like, hey, nothing. You should have seen Justified. Justified was like had a bottle of Pappy in every single scene. And it, was, it wasn't it was just like, here's a bottle. It was like, I'm having problems. Let's talk about it over a bottle. <laughs> I think Pappy I remember Van that. Winkle, brought to you by Buffalo. Says Rick, Buffalo traces. The, and, uh, and that's when it blew up, you know, and. Then all of a sudden, everybody wanted Pappy. And I remember, like, some guy came to me, and he's like, oh, I just had a Pappy 23-year-old. Oh, my God, it was so good. I was like, you had a Pappy 23-year-old seven years ago, dude, and you hated it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it, So he uh, said it was oak water. So I don't know what to tell you. And um, and then so I, people were like, so you couldn't get that? And I tried to get everybody. I was like, you guys should just drink Weller. It's the same stuff. I know like Sazerac employees or not Sazerac, but Buffalo Trace employees actually work at the, that facility. And 
It's, uh, the Pappy is just a contract with the Van Winkle family with Buffalo Trace, and it used to be there was no 10-year. It used to be 12 year and under was Weller. Anything older than that had to be Pappy. Mm-hmm. I was like, just drink this Weller, man. They're like, I'm not drinking that stuff. That stuff's rot gut. Oh, it's so bad. It's got I'm a like plastic it's, it's top not, on it or a metal top. Yeah, I was on. like, it's, it's not bad. It's, it's pretty good. Same stuff. It's What's actually it? better because it's younger. So it's got more, more, more flavor going on. But okay. Like the 107 is one of my favorites. Oh God, I want that stuff. It's so good. Have you heard about this? Have you heard? Of... It's like, uh... <laughs> no, I haven't heard. Please tell Please me about tell it. Me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, fortunately, I think it's a testament to my character that uh, even though it's blown up, I'm still like, hey, I, it's still good. I still, I still like Weller. But, um, you know, uh, so it's just, I don't know, man, one day, like 10 years from now, who knows? I'll be old, probably not cool anymore. And people are like, oh, smoke wagon, that's still so big. Why don't you try some smaller brand? That's not cool anymore. Why do you even drink that? Well, it it goes the opposite. And uh, and it's like, you'll see, like, you know, how when you find bottles of dusty turkey from 2001 somebody's gonna be like well i got some dusty uncut unfiltered from 2020 i hope so i mean that the the dream is to you know sort of be a legacy legacy brand i uh like where you yeah. know because a lot of these people that are drinking it you know they got kids and when i do bottle signings they have me sign bottles for the kids 21st birthday oh nice and uh and and hopefully when those kids grow up, they're like, I want to drink smoke wagon like my dad. Mm-hmm. Well, probably not in that voice because that means they'd still be kids. So yeah, it'd be the man voice. Yeah. I want to drink smoke. I want to drink smoke wagon like my dad, my dad did. did. Yeah. Or yeah, I want to beat my kids like my dad beat me. Yeah, <laughs> I want. <laughs> I need more rare unlimited. Yeah. Did you ever find your scammers? By the way, which ones? Uh, ones we were talking about that were in South Carolina. Oh, I mean, I know who I, I know who the main culprit is. I know who they all are. Yeah, and they're blocked. Now. I mean, I I even talked to my attorney about blowing blowing the one guy up, and he said you could do it. I could do it because I found out who he was outside of the the sales. Because if I did it just through the online sales, it's like all privacy protected and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I told you who it was, right? Yeah, I I, I was helping you track him down because I knew um, he had posted something about it in a local forum, and they were trying to. Yeah, I remember. What 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 he post? Um, that he was that he was doing the deal, like his little bot network that he had, and he was using friends, uh, people that he worked with, their addresses for the delivery. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean he he was very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. I think that's, had, that's why he was like bragging a, about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think we got. I mean, we got his. I mean, we canceled forty orders. I'm sure someone. I know some went through because of the messages he sent me. Uh, were of the same tone as like when I would catch a bartender stealing, and they're like, "I'm not stealing. I'll give you some money back." even yeah it's like yeah okay you're stealing mm-hmm. yeah it's a shame too because that guy he like runs some like charity website and it's, people are weird man and that's how you know he does it because like he's a programmer mm-hmm. 
If you're not stealing, the answer is fuck you. But if you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe he messaged me and he, he's just like so arrogant. I was like, dude, I know I have screenshots. People have sent me screenshots. I, I know that you're telling everybody like what script to use. I know it's you. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's like, I'm not doing anything. I Cause we were talking about doing a, 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 a rolling up to his house one night, just knocking on the door. What's up? <laughs> Do we know this person? Oh man. See no. these people. He was going to come down here. He was like, I'll fly down there. And I was like, I'll drive you up there in a blackout van. And you just go and knock on the door. And he's like, what's yeah, going can, on? Yeah, we can find one of those vans easy around here. <laughs> no, not to mess with the guy. Just it would be funny for Aaron to show up and knock on the door. And he opens the door. And he's like, shit. Bring, bring my, <laughs> all my, half my bottlers are my door guys from the bars. They're all mad, like these big, huge guys. You you have to be standing there though, and with your cowboy hat, smoking a cigar when he when he opens the door. There's no other way. Yeah. Oh man, I remember we. I used to have all these huge Samoan doors at the Griffin in Vegas, and they were they were always like, I was like, no, guys, you can't go do that to that guy for me. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. There there's some like, very nice ooze ooze. Just yeah. let us take care of. It. I'm like no, guys, it's all good. It's not a big deal. There's not an envelope in my back seat with cash in it either. <laughs> that I wouldn't be upset if saw if I saw one of you leaving with later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, I don't even think they'd take money. They just do it for fun. Not. Just yeah. stay in good care of them. Yeah, be, being in the bar business was a crazy. I have have I had some crazy stuff happen in the bar business. I imagine you you and three. Is that right? I had three at one point. Now, now it's just the Griffin in Las Vegas. Okay, so you don't even own the one in Vegas. Oh, in uh, L.A. anymore? No, neither of them. The first, the first one, the chalet, which became the Black Boar, that that was, I'd say, that was where it was crazy because that was a bar called Toppers. And that was like where all the avenues would, uh, which was the Highland Park gang. That's where they would all go when they got out of prison and everything. And, nice. and uh, man, it was rough. Just, uh, that was when I was like, Hey, yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, who has guns when there are gun laws, criminals, that's it. And we're all victims here. Mm-hmm. None of us can do anything. Cause I had so many, we had all had so many guns pulled on us and flashed and, threatened and uh oh man and you can't do anything because you can't own anything yeah mm. there are zero guns flashed in las vegas <laughs> an armed society is a polite society amen to that it is true yeah. there's no road rage here because <laughs> <laughs> life life can end pretty quickly there's a lot of holes in the desert they say uh, well, I mean, look at all the bodies in Lake Mead popping up. Is that common? I haven't seen it. I don't look at them that. Oh, there was tons of them. I think there was like six so far. They just because the water level was so low. Oh, oh, they're they're surf they're they're finding finding them as the water drops. Damn. Hmm. Like yeah. cinder block to the bottom of the lake. They've been in uh, like uh, fifty-five gallon drums. Oh shit. <laughs> It's just like the movies. 
That's wild. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And it's funny because, like, they talk about it, you know, like, um, from 40 years ago. And everybody's like, yeah, 40 years ago, like the 60s. It's like, oh, man, that was ago, like the 80s. The 80s. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Those are all cocaine bodies. Yeah. Like, well, based on their clothing, they could tell it's from the 80s. They're all wearing leather. Leather and chains, <laughs> leg warmers, and <laughs> jean yeah, jackets. All, all, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think they were like uh, hairband followers. I think they <laughs> oh, okay. were more, you know, probably wearing like white loafers and uh, what are, what are some eighty? What are eighties stuff? It's so funny because like somebody, wash jeans, like wrong, pinstripe like, pants, uh, suits. Yeah, because uh, it's like. Like stuff you think of in the '60s was really the early '70s, and 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 stuff you oh, think yeah. of in the '70s was really the early '80s, and they had ACDC I mean, eight tracks in their pockets. Well, last eight track was '81. That was the flat last last year. New releases came out on eight track was '81. Do you have an eight track in, in the last... Monte Carlo? What's that? Do you have an eight track player in the Monte Carlo? Oh yeah, which yeah. I love. By the way, I love is that it car. what is this '71? '70. 70, okay. Yeah. The Turbo Hydra. I, I like the way the 70, 70s look better, but the 71 450 SSs are a little rare. I think they made 30, 3,470, and, and uh, I think they made like 1,271, and then they were discontinued in 72. Oh, okay. I didn't know that they stopped doing the 454s then. Mm-hmm. What's really crazy is the how rare an 88 IROC convertible is. They only did 3,000 of those total. And that's one of those cars that nobody would ever want. I mean, now they do. But I remember, like, nobody cared about 80, like 80 IROC Zs back in the day. Nobody cared about those. Nobody cared about the late year uh, Gen 2 Camaros, the disco cars I'll tell with you all what, the stripes and everything. The split yeah. bumper Camaros are one of my favorites. And most people, oh, don't yeah, like the them. early Gen 2s are everybody loved those, mm-hmm. but like the 78 to 81s, nobody wanted those. And I was like watching them and I wanted to get one and like build it. And the guy that does the cars, he's like, Oh, there's no market for that. And I was like, I was like, Yeah, I think there is, man, but whatever. If you're not into it, you're not going to do it. And so I might as well not even buy it. So you went and got a C3 and then, instead? Oh, well, the C3. I've been looking for a C3 for years. They have the coolest shape for sure. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love the metal bumper C3s, uh, 69 to 72. The 68s are pieces of crap. They had to, they had to completely redesign the body body in 69. Cause like 68 had these big doors and they never, they never fit right. And they don't close. And, and then they redid them in 69 and 69 is like, that's like, uh, what all the older guys want, you know, they want to try it like it's last year, the 427 tri power and all that stuff. But nobody wants a 454. I mean, they do. Well, they do. Well, they do now. Everybody wants everything now. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there was a period where like the 69s were kind of getting C2 money and the 70 to 71 and 72 weren't really doing anything. And now, like, even. Even the LT ones are getting, you know, pretty pretty big money. Are they really? I mean, obviously, you can still go. You can still go get a three fifty for like twenty five grand or whatever. They're they're not really 
Yeah. They haven't changed. I, I actually, I guess they've actually gone down in value because I've been looking at them for over a decade and they're still selling for what they were 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, you get a lot more for that kind of money. So, mm-hmm. but that car, that car I saw for the first time in June of night of 2020 when I had COVID and, uh, I was like, I want that car. That's the one. I mean, I had already bought it. I bought a C3 a long time ago when I was broke. It was a 72, uh, four-speed, 350 car, AC. But this guy that told me to buy was an idiot. We're not friends anymore. He's just a dumb, he's a stupid, (laughs) stupid, dumb idiot. And like, I wanted to buy like a nice one. He's like, oh, but you're going to do stuff to it. And then everything he said was wrong and he messed it up. And I still have that car somewhere like in California. But, but I, I, and he talked me out of getting a 454, which I shouldn't have listened to him because I like the 454s. And I know that big block Chevys are always going to be worth more. Except for maybe I'll always big block, always big block. And, um, you know, but hey, back then, nice 454 cars were going for upper 60s, low 70s, and this one was in the 80s, so it's like, whatever. It, you know, big whoop. I mean, it sucks, but at the same time, I had never seen a white on red 454, four-speed, AC, power window, power steering convertible ever before. When you take and, videos uh, of it and you put that like '90s filter on it, and you're driving around in the desert, it looks like a a vintage video with that red interior. So, that car yeah. is so rad. Every I time it. I take it out and I pull the cover off of it, I'm like, God damn, <laughs> <laughs> this fucking car, man. <laughs> but I didn't have any money in June of 2020. I actually had negative money because it was COVID. All the my uh, I had sold the two bars in LA to focus on the distillery. The bar in Vegas closed down. I was not making any money off the bourbon yet. And I was totally broke. It, it was, and I looked at that car and I said, I'm going to own this car. And um, guy, another person I'm not friends with anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to help out. That was a waste of time. Uh, he was like, how are you going to buy that car? You don't have any money. And I said, I can't explain it. I just can visualize it that I'm going to be in that car. And, um, you know, and then the bourbon blew up. And uh, like right then, that was like right when the bourbon blew up and I got distracted and I was so busy and things were so crazy. And then it was, and then I really hadn't been looking at cars or anything in a long time because I just didn't have any, that was always like, I mean, even when I didn't have money, I'd always go to Hemmings or whatever and like see what was out there and kind of feel, kind of try to pick the the trends of what was going to blow up next and, you know, just look at stuff. I do the same thing. And there was the car. I was like, wait a second, what? This was a year later. This was July of 2020. Did somebody buy it and then resold it? Somebody bought it. It was an older guy. He took it to Arizona. He made it all NCRS correct uh, for shows. And then 
the place he bought it from got a 63 split window that was like yellow on black, which was the same color that he had when uh, in 63. And so he traded in that car for the 63. And I found that because I called. I was like, wait, did you guys, what did you take this off? I mean, it's more now, right? Than it was. He's like, yeah, it's more because this guy put all this money into it. By the way, all the money he put into it, I had to take out of it because all the NCRS stuff, the the vacuum lines are like yeah. yeah they get the little stripes on them and they look correct but they're shit made it wrong nothing like shit. you can't drive with any of that stuff on it and I drive my cars but um yeah I was like I was like dude this car this car came back and uh, and so I bought it it was destiny and it was destiny but it was weird man because I remember I was like I'm gonna own this car and uh, okay buddy was like you're not going to own that car. I was like, I can see it. I just, I can't explain it. I can just visualize myself driving around in this fucking car. Visualize the wind, yeah. Aaron. Visualize the wind. Visualize the wind. Visual. Now I'm visualizing. Now that I've really kind of gotten used to it and I understand like how those cars perform and drive, you know, I, I kind of visualizing what I want to do to it. Not no, nothing too crazy because I still want it to drive like an old car, but you know, it's not 1970 or even 1970, it's not 1972 or even 70. It's not even like two years after I bought the car where you could get BF Goodrich tires that were real and handled well. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like all the, all the, I'll probably put some, uh, but it has the Firestone wide oval, um, repos on it that are, there are radials that look like, bias ply mm-hmm. yeah, but and yeah you know it's got a nice soft ride and it does, doesn't follow the grooves in the road but radials the reason is because radials have soft sidewalls yeah there's a lot of body and, yeah and i am i am rolling those tires <laughs> under the car <laughs> start smacking rim <laughs> i haven't smacked any rims but because there's they have such tall sidewalls but like when i came back from the lake the other day i mean there was like an inch and a half of like you know <laughs> abrasion i was like well if we're gonna have to get some new tires for this mm-hmm. and i can't you know and it's funny too because like the guy that works on the stuff man all i can think is that in the 70s you know massive volume rectangular port header heads came out and he was like, and everybody used them for performance and they robbed all the cars of low end power. And he was like, these are stupid. And it's been like that forever. He doesn't understand that everybody's doing oval ports for performance heads. I mean, like the highest performing ones are like the AFRs. I think they're 200, 265. They're not, you know, super, super low. I think, you know, and the Brodix ones are only like 271s, but it's all like the low, the small ports, slower, you get flow. crazy power. Yeah. And so I don't think he knows any of this. And so like every, I'm like, this car is too quiet. You need more back it pressure. It needs headers. It needs this. <laughs> and he's like, that'll take, oh no, they need the torque. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> all this stuff will give it more torque. But, and I was, I listened to him for a while, but now I'm like, man, I'm driving that car and I can't even hear the motor. It's like, I'm not in tune to it. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be, have to look at the tack to know, to know where you are, Yeah, where I am, like going hot into a turn and whether or not I, I should, I'm like good. And I'm like sort of in the, you know, the RPM range where I can steer it with the rear wheels or I need to drop down in the gear. I can't tell what's going on. So 
I was always yeah, told that power. a set of long tubes and H pipe and a timing light is uh that's how you maintain a car from back then. <laughs> well, no, no long tubes on those. They'll, you'll scrape them. Oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta you gotta do short tubes on those C threes. There's no clearance. Yeah, I had a C five that I built. It was pretty fun. I mean, it was a white oh, tube. It was like two thousand. It was a uh, but they didn't make very many white ones. But it was before the heads up display, so it was like a super rare. You know, you know how they do that. It's like well, in two thousand they made five thousand white ones and eight hundred were automatic window. And it was a, it was a, it was a manual transmission car, and it was a lot of fun. I really liked it. But uh, I bought I I did it on a loan. Same thing. I had no money, so I, I've got a loan out and I sold it before my first loan payment was due. <laughs> <laughs> You sold it before your first loan payment was due? Yeah. I built it real quick, and I drove it for like two weeks, and I loved it. But then um, I knew I had that payment coming, and I was just I was like, oh, I'm just going to get rid of it. Because <laughs> I knew I was going to sell it eventually, and I was like, I might as well just do it now. It was I loved that car, though. I wish I, I should have kept it, but couldn't afford it back then. Yeah. The, the only car that I sold that I regret is I, my the first old car I ever bought was a 67 Olds Tornado. Oh, yeah. And um, same buddy that convinced me to buy that 72 Corvette that was a heap of shit. <laughs> he he convinced me to sell it. He was working on it, and he was like, "This is you're never going to get this car done, and blah, 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 blah. And um, so I sold it, and um, I sold it to a dealer, and the dealer was like, dude, this car was pretty much done. And I, and I was very sad because I did all this cool stuff to it that like nobody had ever done to a tornado, keeping it front wheel drive, all, all the, all like dope, like heads and headers. And I did a multi-port EFI injection system on it and all, all this cool stuff. And I, I mean, I guess I regret selling it. I don't know. I like all the other car, cars. EFI too. made it run probably a whole lot better than whatever was on it. What was on it before a four barrel? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I it was Quadrajet. Like so, when I bought it, God, it's it's amazing. You know, even twenty, it's like it was twenty years ago, and back then you could still go. Like they still would. Um, the guy brought it in to have the carburetor worked on, and they put one of those Tomcos on it. I don't know if you remember those, but that was like they would take. It was like it looked like a Quadrajet, but really wasn't. Was it one had like um, it looked like it had like a bullet in the middle of each one for spray? No, I mean it looked exactly like a it, it looked exactly like a Q jet and it probably was a Q jet, but they mm. just I don't know what they did to them, but that thing didn't run right. And so then I then I I put a Q jet on it and I um I looked everywhere for like the matching numbers one for a tornado. And I sent it off and I had it rebuilt and the guy never checked the carb and the base plate was totally warped. And so I spent like $350 on it, like 20 years ago, which to me, 20 years ago is a lot of money. And like, I could never get the car to run right. And then finally I, I took it. I can't remember where I took it. I took it some, cause I, I would work. I worked on that car, that carb myself and I brought it in to this shop and I was like, dude, I have done everything I can to get this carb running right. Like, can you see anything that's wrong with it? He's like, you know, I put it on the table. I was like, yeah, it's warped. <laughs> <laughs> it was just leaking everywhere. 
Oh, <laughs> well, it just it didn't fit flat on yeah. the uh, on the counter. You could see like space under it. I was like, oh man. But yeah, it was leaking everywhere. So it was always too rich. It was always running wrong. But man, that car, I, I drove that car to Mammoth to go snowboarding. And like, I refused to chain up. They're like, you need to chain up. I'm like, this car weighs 5,500 pounds in this front wheel drive. <laughs> I'm not putting chains on this thing. You can <laughs> just hold drive. it wide open and run it up there. That's what, that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> Running all super rich at altitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> shit. That's like it's fun watching them do it at. Uh, you you've seen all the the hill climb stuff is all going to diesel now. Oh, I bet. Because I, I guess it just it burns better at altitude, but it's pretty interesting yeah, to watch not that a, it, change. Yeah, because it's all uh, such high compression that yeah. it's not really affected. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. All right, man. We did an hour and a half. I'm gonna. It's eight thirty at night over here. I gotta find something to eat before the end of the night. But uh, right on. I had a really good time talking with you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having. Yeah, hey, you too. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. We uh, we we while we were talking, we we I think we got through all three of these um, all three of these bottles here, and I didn't even bring them up. So yeah, thanks everybody did listening. You, did you get all the questions? Did people have questions? Did we get them all answered? Yeah, and I forgot to write them down. The only one I remembered was the um, <laughs> was the one I asked. So it's okay. It's not like we can't do this again. That's true. Yeah. Where where do you where do podcasts where do they go? I don't know. There's like a an ether that exists in space and time. <laughs> and they just sit there. I don't think they go away ever. Right. Uh, as long they as never you, go away. Yeah, as long as you pay for like, host for hosting, they exist wherever you're hosting them, and then. Where we, like, for, in our case, we host them in a, a central location, and then they get uh, distributed across all your major podcast and uh, streaming services. So iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, or Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. Oh, cool! Yeah, all those pl- all those places. Yeah, and this will come out next right Monday. On. Yeah, it'll be out Monday. So, hell yeah! All right, well. So I, I have I like to eat too. It's important. I, I have I'm looking at my notes and I have like a 427 thick boy. I'm guessing that's the Caprice. Yeah, we'll get into this. Oh, dude, Caprice. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The Caprice is like that is the first car. I mean, we we rebuilt the AC, but that is the the guy who. So the guy that bought that car, I forget what it's called but where like you buy it, it's still registered by the dealer. It's not, it hasn't even been registered yet. Mm, yeah. Like I've done that. Bought I bought it. a car like that before and it was a 90. What, what's it called? CSO? I can't or remember. C- I was the first owner and it was, it was built in 93, the car that I bought. Yeah. So whoever bought it, like this dealer bought it as a collector, a collector. And um, I just saw that car, man. Like it was funny. Cause like I hadn't looked at caprices in a long time. Most of the caprices I look at are like this, the first year, the 66. And I usually look at 66 small motor ones. Cause I want to put a big motor in it. And, uh, and you definitely small motor ones are a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, um, the Rick uh, Tucker who, who, who works on my cars, he saw like some caprice that was, you know, like I had a 68, I had a 68 Caprice and 
it had a 454 in it. It was a 427 car. I mean, there was no documentation or anything. It had 427 badging on it. So who the fuck knows? And I I bought it because it was kind of old man looking. It was like this. I forget the color. It was like something something green, but it had and it was a metallic green. Mm-hmm. But it, but the metallic was gold instead of silver. Oh, weird. But it didn't have hideaway headlights, and it had this insane interior and a power driver's seat and, like, eight-track with a fader, like, every single option. I think it, that I think it had every single option. But I wanted to put a – I want to put a Smetting Performance 540 in it. He's like, you're going to screw this car up. You can't do that. And I was like, I'm not going to screw the car up. The car has a non-matching 454 in it. This thing is going to be so badass. Otherwise, it's just – I don't know. It just didn't speak to me. It was boring. This, this, so I sold it to Rick and that's when I bought the Monte Carlo with the money. Then when I sold that car, this 427, when I saw it, I was like, damn. And it was a bench seat, which I normally don't buy, but I was like, I'm so sick of being, I I was like, I want a bench seat. I just want to spread out Mm -hmm. because everything I own is bucket seats, you know, which is cooler. But, uh, Normally I wouldn't buy one with a, with a bench seat and, and the guy, um, he put a cam in it and he, you know, he did some, he did some other stuff, but man, it is the first car that I just can't explain it. Like it just talks to me. I don't want to do anything to it. It's done. I love it. I just want to drive it. I love it. I like how big and wide it is. It's so big and it's so funny because like you don't, realize how, when you just look at them because it's a coupe and they're you know they're like that was the first year for the concave uh rear window and it's got like the deck lid it's got like the the little valley that matches with the valley the package tray and so and it's got the hideaway headlights so which is what makes that car because when you see one without the hideaway headlights especially a 69 it's like ah yeah, they're really but ugly. When, the hideaway makes yeah, it look it makes it look like it's got a big ass nose front end on it. Yeah, with the hideaway headlights, it's got like that manta ray look, you know, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. like the uh 66, 67 tornados or that mm-hmm. or that or this or those or that you know, sixty-seven um uh Rivieras, it's just got that look and you don't realize how big it is until you put it in your garage. And it touches both walls. <laughs> oh, dude, it barely fit. Yeah. It barely fit. Yeah, it's crazy. It made me realize I'd have to move if I ever want to own like a Lincoln, like one of those uh, Mark uh, 5 to 7s. Those are cool, too. They're, they're uh, all big cars. Those are cool. But, yeah, it's it's got the F. I can't remember what I think. It's the F40 suspension. And uh, it just it handles so nice, and the motor's perfect. And it's got you put all the windows down, and you can hear the exhaust, and it sounds mean. And then you put the windows up, and it's like a little. It's it's quite. It's just everything is perfect. Whatever the guy did, it's all it's all just dialed in. The motor's like super creamy and spins real nice. And I I love it, man. I love that car. I like it too. Thank you. All right, man. I'm going to go eat. All right. <laughs> Have a good night. All right, man. You too. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I appreciate it. I'm going to play us out here. Okay.
Bongholes, baby, everybody likes bongholes. I like bongholes. Bongholes, baby, everybody likes bongholes. Yeah. That's the best line there. I didn't. I didn't know what version it was because there's a, there's a few verses. Yeah, that one's the best version. <laughs> everybody oh. likes to put their mouth on one. Yep. Every now and then. Every now and then. You don't want to do it all the time, but every once in a while. <laughs> If you're in the mood. <laughs> All right, dude. Thank you so much for your time. We had a great My conversation. Pleasure. I appreciate it. All right, man. I had a great time. Yep. All right. Have a good night. You All too. Right, you too. Thanks.